The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Auld Lang Zine and New Year's Day of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who can't decide between Taylor Swift, U2, or Hootie. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, you, once again, you confused me with the opening. Uh, uh, <laughs> it all sign. I don't know what that is. Oh, really? That's basically that is like the New Year's Eve song that you sing at midnight. Sure, acquaintance. Is yeah. it Auld Lang Sign? Yeah, that's how you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, that's fair enough. And then is it um, um, Taylor Swift? You two or who do you? That's FM. Uh, FMK. Well, they all have songs <laughs> called New Year's Day. Oh, oh, I thought I thought you were going <laughs> to let me choose because I would marry Taylor Swift and oh, then no, I no, would. No, <laughs> no, 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 I no. I would no, kill you too. <laughs> okay, actually, maybe this is okay. I mean, it's okay. Um, but no, they. I probably other bands too, but they are the three bands I know of that have songs called New Year's Day. Oh, okay, that's interesting. When I when I first saw this, I was like. Oh, you gave me a heck of a selection to choose from. <laughs> if you were going to listen Two to a song. Two of the three of those bands haven't been relevant for 25 years, but. <laughs> what are you talking about? You two just made you listen to their album recently if well, you bought an Apple device. I said relevant. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I feel like they must still do very well when they tour. Oh. Like They have to probably do pretty amazingly still. Yeah, and the one the band I consider relevant isn't even a band. It's a person, so <laughs> it's even worse. That's true. Wait. <laughs> Hey, Hootie's pretty well known in the country market. He still does pretty decently Relevant. there. Darius Rucker. <laughs> and they are touring as a group again, I think. I yeah. think Hootie and the Blowfish are back touring as a group. Sure, so is InSync. It doesn't make him relevant. <laughs> well, InSync is doing it, though, without one of the, you know, the biggest member of the group. So that makes it a little different. That's true. Well, he's too busy, so. you know, holding hands with his co-stars and stuff. Well, you know. <laughs> That's all over the tablets. I was in the grocery store today, and yes, yes, every every cover of every magazine were just terrible things about people. I'm like, <laughs> why is this a thing? <laughs> yeah, I do remember it when that was Justin Timberlake was trending on Twitter, and I had to go and I looked because you want to make sure he wasn't dead. <laughs> yeah, well, I part kind of I was or like, didn't oh, get mutated or something. Yeah, <laughs> and then he did. And, uh, and uh, it was like, oh, Justin Timberlake apologizes to Jessica Biel for holding the hand, holding hands with another woman. And I was like, oh boy, okay. Well, I'm sorry I spent any time looking at that at all. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, good so. times. I I miss when it used to be Bat Boy on the cover of magazines at the grocery store. <laughs> and now it's nope. Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt and Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel. <sighs> I will say that. 
the way that those magazines though know that they can get my partner though is if they put anything about the royal family on oh, there. Oh, the royal she's, family she's was in. on one of them too. Yeah, she's totally in. She loves the royals uh, family and can tell you. But it, she not doesn't even. It's not just the current one. Like she knows the lineage, like who is related to what, from where, and how for how long, and all that stuff. I actually one time had to call her at work. Because I had a whole bunch of coworkers who were, weren't totally understanding, you know, when the latest wedding happened, like, oh, where are they in line and how does this work? So I called her and put her on a speakerphone and she just explained everything to everyone <laughs> about, like, here's how this works. Here's who's in line for what. And I can barely remember any That's of their awesome. names. So, you know, it's cool. Whatever. Everyone has their things they're into. No big deal. Yeah. But, uh, hey, Josh, it's the holiday season. Christmas just happened for those who celebrate it. It's the holiday season. Yes, it is. So that just happened. New Year's is right around the corner. Yeah, I can't wait for 2020. <laughs> I'm so done with so, this year. <laughs> so in order to kind of stay on topic with what mm. our show is about when we talk about 2020 and board games and video games, number one, let's just review 2019 as a whole. Uh, okay. It sounds like 2019, <laughs> uh, not a great year is what you're saying. No, no, no. It's just, you know, it's at the time of the year where... A whole year has gone by, and it gets old. I think that with the holidays, there's a lot to be thankful for and enjoy. Mm-hmm. But it's also, for me, and obviously, I'm not trying to speak for everyone, but for me, it, it has, since I've had a kid, has become very stressful. And it, it makes me excited to put the year behind me in a way that I just never really felt before like i i don't i don't think i've ever approached like new year's eve and was like oh i can't wait to get this year out of the way but uh because like it's just another month that's coming up but right something about knowing that i still have 11 more months until we have to deal with holidays again is very nice so uh so i'm i'm excited to uh, 2019 was a great year. Uh, it was a fantastic year. Um, so many things happened uh, for me and my family in a positive um, way, and we dealt with a lot of hardships as well. But you know that comes mm-hmm. with a year. Uh, but it was a it was a good year. I wouldn't say it was a remarkably bad year because I don't think we lost anyone important to us this year, which is good. Um, that always puts a damper on the years, and I say that we, I mean my family. Right. Um, I know other people have, and that makes it tougher for them. Um, but yeah, no terrible illnesses, all that kind of stuff. It was a pretty good year. So, Excellent. if anything, I would hope 2020 is just as good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I can't really complain too much about 2019. It was a, a fine year. Uh, you know, when I look from a personal perspective, I will say the thing that has been over the last few months, especially, you know, living in Iowa with the elections being in 2020, uh, Iowa is an interesting place to live at this time of year, for sure. All I can say is I'm very thankful <laughs> that my cell phone number is not any Iowa area code. Oh, that's smart. Because I just kept it from where I lived way previously, so I have the same number, but the number of political ads, political calls, people stopping by your house, like all of that stuff, uh, they very much want people to be involved in the political process, which is cool. They do some very cool things and and you know, living in the place where we do where we get to participate, you know, in government is good and you should definitely do that. You should vote, you should participate in all these things. But the idea of caucusing and all of this stuff just 
whew, they take it very seriously here. And it's regular conversations about who you're going to caucus for, where are you caucusing at, what are you doing with all of that. Um, so yeah, it's always a, I'm looking forward to like getting past February at this point. So we can be done with that part, but you know, I'll participate cause it's my civic duty. So that's what we're supposed to do. So anyway, yep. Hey, <laughs> enough with the personal stuff. Yeah. This is the last of the quote unquote special shows. So we're just going to move right into talking about 2020 previewing it from a board game perspective and a video game perspective. Our last few shows have been pretty long. I don't know where this one will <laughs> fall. This one, I think it's either going to be really long or really short. Let's shoot for two. short. How about that? Let's, we could try one time, right? Doing a short show. Uh, so we'll kind of see what happens. But like I said, we've taken a look back at 2019. We talked about our favorite games of the year of 2019 from a board game perspective. So now we're going to look forward to 2020. Um, board games are always a little tougher to predict. You know, video games this year is a little different or going into 2020 is a bit different. There's new consoles on the horizon. So we don't always, we don't know quite as much about what's happening in the video game world in the next year. But for board games, it's even more of a mystery. It's really difficult to predict what's going to come out, what's going to, you know, be available to play. And some of the biggest games and best games of the year, we probably don't even know exist yet. Hmm. Um, so we're going to cover, uh, talk about some of the current trends in board games and whether we think those will continue make some predictions for 2020 as well as uh, make some board game goals for 2020. And then we'll move on to the video game realm. So to start with uh, Josh, I think without a doubt, roll and write games were kind of the hot trend in board games and kind of have been for the last 18 months or so. Yeah. Do you think roll and writes are going to continue and why do you think they're so hot? Well, uh, that second question is a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to continue because I think what well, what we're seeing now is roll and write versions of popular board games that are already in existence, which shows that companies see a value in the roll mm-hmm. and write market. Um, in fact, like I, we have a game that, that we have to review for by Renegade Games called Clip Cut Park, which is an actually cut and uh, roll and cut game instead of roll and write. So there's also going to be a lot of different like iterations to this style, but to to answer the second question, I don't know that I have an answer to to that. Uh, I've only played one. I've I own more than one, but I've only played one roll and write game. And that's mm-hmm. uh, Lantern's Dice. I enjoyed it. Right. Uh, I don't. For me personally. Um, the most frustrating part, some of the most frustrating parts of board games, um, for me, are the scoring uh, mm-hmm. aspects, especially when there's a lot to do with scoring. It uh-huh. doesn't take me out of a game, but like Seven Wonders would be an example where you really need a scoring pad to accurately yeah. show your work so other people also see what's going on. And uh, that can be a little frustrating to me. So with a role in my game, it's really incorporating a part of games I don't enjoy, which is uh, frequently logging things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that might seem ironic with me saying that. Maybe not ironic. It might seem hypocritical that I say that having Escape from uh, the Aliens in Outer Space as one of my favorite games of the decade, but right. it's different when you are responsible for your own movements and actions in your writing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, uh, I don't know, uh, whereas, whereas you're not responsible for it. It doesn't take longer to play the game. If right. Maybe that's what I'm trying to get to. Uh, but I can see the parallels for sure. 
Um, and there definitely could be roll and rights out there that I would enjoy. But having only played one and being like lukewarm on it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right now I just can't um, see why it's such a big craze right now. Uh, especially because it it worries me about. I know you can just go probably online and print more pages or get them laminated, but but that's something that you can do now. But what if I decide to open up a game next year and that website's down or they're not offering print and play PDFs anymore or they're charging now or whatever the case. I just worry about the longevity of those games, especially like the cut and write game, the roll and cut game. Like, um, so there's definitely worries I have about them. Um, so I guess I, I don't really I don't really know why they're so popular. What's your opinion on this topic? You know, one thing that I saw posited online, and I can't remember who said it, so I don't know if this is true or accurate, and I would love to cite who it was, but I, I just genuinely can't remember. But they theorize that the reason that roll-and-write games have gotten so popular is because they're extremely inexpensive to produce. Sure. And that if you have a known property and can reproduce that property in a roll and write version, it's ostensibly like printing a second edition or a, or an expansion for this game where we used to see like the dice versions of games all the time. Yeah. This is just now kind of that next step, a really inexpensive way to capitalize on a known property. Or if you are creating a new game, uh, it's not as expensive to produce so you're it's not as much of a risk if it doesn't work i have no idea if that's true i have no idea if the you know how the budget for all that works out and the economics of that it seems kind of reasonable you know most roll and write games are pretty minimal on components pretty minimal on what's in the box but they're also priced appropriately for that just like Mm. games with just cards and or things like that so i don't fully know if that is but it does seem kind of like the natural extension of all right we had x game now we have the dice version of it now we have the roll and write version of it i just really wonder what the next trend is going to be where are we going to go next which i don't know what the answer is right it seemed for a while that it was thematic wise where everything was zombies like we had a whole bunch of zombie things and then that kind of has died down and now it's like oh everything is rolling right you know i don't know if it's going to be you know and there is this sprinkling of campaign games slash legacy games because they're not the same but games with a finite number of plays or games that tell a story those seem to be getting very very popular and have really maintained popularity over the last few years so i don't know maybe just it's the face of the board game changing um that you know we've had guests on in the past who've talked about we're going to see fewer games in future years yeah. Um, with higher production values. So maybe these are the easy things to fit in along with those big hitters that every company is trying to have. Those, you know, awesome games that are going to sell a ton. Maybe these are the easy things to produce alongside that. I don't know. So I really need to play some. I've never actually played a roll and write game up to this point. I also think it's an odd name for a genre because yeah. wouldn't, you know, like, I guess they call it roll and move though, I guess. It, well, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird to name it after what you do in it. Like, I, I, something I did notice at Pax Unplugged is there's a lot of roll and write games that are coming out that just don't label themselves with that title. Right. And you just, when you ask what type of game it is, they say it's a roll and write. So it's not, it's not trying to capitalize necessarily on that 
that name anymore, whether that's a po- mm-hmm. positive or a negative thing. Maybe right. they think it's like people don't want to buy it because it's a roll and write. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right, because every board game is a roll and move game, essentially. Yeah, or roll in place or roll in, you know, it's, yeah. it's the, those things happen. Uh, so another thing that we've seen is we've seen a lot of uh, campaign games, a lot of legacy games. Hmm. Um, you know, though that has been a thing that really started, you know, 2017, 2018 is continued on that we're seeing more and more of that. Do you think that trend's going to continue? Do you think that's going to be another thing we see a lot of going into 2020? I think so. I was trying to think of, because uh, I know this was one of our predictions last year, Yep. that we would see more legacy games, and, and I don't know that we saw more or the same amount. I, I don't, I guess I wasn't actively tracking legacy games this year. I know Machi Koro Legacy. Yep. Charterstone uh, wasn't this year. Charterstone was end of 2018. And Betrayal Legacy Clank. wasn't this year. Yeah, Clank Legacy was this year. Yeah, so we saw two that I know yeah. of, maybe more. Um, I still think it is going to continue because there's so many titles to make legacy games of. I still think it's a great concept. Oh, The King's Dilemma, which is that the game I didn't pull the trigger on at PAX, which I really should have. Uh, that's definitely a legacy campaign, both game. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're definitely out there. Maybe they're marketed less, um, as a legacy game and more as a story game or a campaign game. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I say, I don't know. We see the same amount, if not more than this year, just because I feel like, uh, at least to my knowledge of games, there wasn't too many that came out this year. In fact, I, I think we expected more to come out. Um, but it's still definitely a genre that is not dying. People still love legacy games. Um, and you know, the constant worry or criticism by people is the aspect, the, the, the thing of not being able to, uh, play the game the way it was meant to be played, which is new every time until you're done with the campaign. Right. Um, so it all depends on the price, of course, and the appeal of the title, but I mean, I'm up for more, so let's. I'm gonna go ahead and just guess we're gonna get more this year, right? <laughs> no, for sure. And I, and I, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. And obviously, the difference legacy games versus games that have a campaign, if you would. But I feel like maybe we're pivoting a bit away from legacy and going more to that campaign slash instanced event that you play um because if you think about and i guess i don't know off the top of my head but i know obviously like lord of the rings uh journeys of middle earth um i think tainted grail is that way um gosh i'm trying to think of others off the top of my head i think cthulhu death may die is that way okay um i don't know is batman gotham city chronicles is it uh i think it's campaign i don't okay but it's not like a casino Right. So I think that might, I think, I think we'll see less legacy. I think that's going to start to dwindle. Yeah. But I think we're going to see, continue to see more of the campaign style, story based. Um, you play X thing. And I think there are some games that make it so you can play them multiple times. It just kind of depends on, you know, who you're playing with and the adventure that you have. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward actually to getting to January when we get back to quote unquote typical episodes. Cause I have a lot of board games I've been playing yeah, actually, which is pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, but one of them that, you know, just to talk about very briefly 
it's like seventh continent you know we played a lot of seventh continent while i've been on break here for the holiday and that game is a game that very much so you can play the adventures over and over again and especially if you bring in additional or new people um it can feel very different and there is some variety in the cards that you might get but you know a lot of the campaign is going to if you go from here you're going to go to a to b to c to d but what happens along the way might be slightly different um, but it's still exciting and it's still, you know, a fun thing to do, even if you've done it before. So uh, I think we might see more of that as someone who's a huge fan of legacy games, though. Um, I, I hope we continue to see them and they continue to happen because I think there's something cool about having a finite experience yeah. about saying, I played this. This was cool. Here's the things that happened. And I had a great time with it. So I hope we continue to see them. But I think that we're going to see much more campaign story-based expandable things that people can easily add to if they want because you know that's where the money is it's really hard to do the expansion for pandemic legacy season one yeah but you certainly can do expansions for lord of the rings (laughs) so you know yes awesome okay so as we continue on and kind of think about 2019 there were a lot of video games that suddenly had board games versions of them announced or came out mostly announced yeah some came out (laughs) Uh, what do you think? Do you think that's a trend that's going to continue? Do you think we'll see more video games getting a tabletop entry in them? Yeah, I mean, as long as they're successful, we'll we'll still see adaptations. Uh, I think we're more going to see Kickstarter versions of them than we are going to see mainstream uh, board game company releases. Like, uh, we, we're going to see Metal Gear from IDW. But they kind of had to go the Kickstarter route at, in the end of it, anyways. Right. Um, and then we have, you know, Rebellion uh, Unplugged Studios. We're going to get yep. some some of their IPs, at least one. But I also noticed at PAX that I didn't talk about was the Saints Row board game got rebranded into a different title. Oh, interesting. Which I thought was very yeah interesting as well. And I would argue a. a, a uh, I don't remember the name of the game because it was so oddly named. It was even a worse name. I'm assuming it's probably licensing that ran out. Right. Uh, but, um, yeah, so so I don't know what to expect. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see, we'll say, Renegade Game Studios publishing a video game IP. Um, I don't know that we'll see another game like God of War from Simon coming from Simon. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? I could be surprised. But really, what I think we're sticking to like Kickstarter versions of board games for now, right? And we'll see what happens with Metal Gear. I mean, if IDW can prove to other companies that people want to spend one hundred and thirty dollars on a video game board game, right? Then. Maybe 2020 is the year where everyone jumps on video game IPs, but I don't necessarily see that um, happening for major studios right now. Yeah, it is interesting because, you know, obviously with Rebellion creating their Unplugged or whatever they call it, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay, Rebellion Unplugged, you know, that is pretty unique. The only other company that's really done that is, um, you know, Riot with Mechs and Minions. Yeah where they created in-house a board game based off their IP. I am, I'm interested to see if anyone else does something like that or for, makes a more formal agreement to, instead of licensing individual 
properties. Like, does Microsoft go to Fantasy Flight and Asthma Day and say, hey, you're going to start making Halo and what XYZ yeah. board games, you know, for our properties? You know, I, 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 I think there are many good things that could be created from video game properties into board games. I just think that it's a question as to whether it's going to be a well-developed, take the time, create an awesome game, or is it going to copy and paste RIP onto a game you already have right? and tweak a little bit, a few of the things to make it fit our world. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be cool to see a little more of that. I think it'd be awesome to expand the universe of the video games in a board game. I think that's something that could easily be done. It would be a cool way to do it. Um, and in some ways, if you could time it out so... You know, you had a video game release two years later. You had a board game release two years later. The you know video game sequel came out. You could be giving content in that property or in that world regularly or more regularly to the fans, yeah. which I think a lot of people would be down for. So, you know, if I were working at one of those big companies, uh, I would be having those conversations with people. But I also don't work at those companies, and so maybe that's why. <laughs> right. Well, no, I don't think you're wrong. I mean... Look at what Darksiders tried to do, and I don't think anyone knew this, like Darksiders Genesis. There was like an ultimate edition that came with a board game that was only sold with that one edition. It was like four hundred dollars. Yep. It's insane. Yeah. And no and, and you know, that's not a smart marketing like that's not right. what you should be doing. But like we know that IDW has like the Konami license for board games. Mm-hmm. So we're still gonna get like the centipedes and the missile commands, but right. you know, I don't, I don't necessarily even consider those the video game crossover titles because it feels like shovelware, the board game, and those kind games, of, yeah. those games might be fine, but just they're not putting, um, well, one, they're not marketing them. Two, they're not putting um, quality components into at least the boxes. Like they're not getting this out. To people like if they did a contra game, people would pay more attention because they know the IP. The IP, right. but that doesn't mean the game is good. As so, this year's contra proved, <laughs> right? So, so who knows what's going to happen uh, with with these games? But, but yeah, I I don't know. I think I'm more on your side on this one. Yeah. Uh, last little topic to cover. Obviously, Kickstarter overall. You know. In comparison to other areas, maybe especially video games, uh, Kickstarter for board games has been very successful. You know, there it is a regular route that folks go to get their games funded. Typically, games ship. Typically, they're roughly on time, maybe a few months late. Uh, but for the most part, there's a, a lot of companies out there who really have a good grasp on how to run quality Kickstarters. Do you think? Anything's going to change with Kickstarter and board games in 2020? Is it going to be pretty much status quo where you have, you know, the most high profile, most expensive games that are going here first and a few lower, quote unquote, lower priced ones that are, you know, more MSRP from smaller companies who maybe need the money to help get them printed? You know, do you anticipate any major changes or or alterations to how board games and Kickstarter happen in 2020? I don't know that we'll see any changes. Uh, I'm... And I say that as a consumer in a good way and as a person mm-hmm. who's aware of um, the board gaming industry in a bad way, like there definitely needs to be changes for 
Kickstarter in general from what from what I've been hearing. Uh, I will say I think Kickstarter is going to be even more popular in 2020 than it was this year. Um, in fact, like uh, I got group text, group chatted um, for the Unsettled board game, which is by the the people from Orange Nebula Games who did Vindication. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. your space one. And this is a, a friend of our, our Gloomhaven buddy who was like, hey, let's the four of us go in on this game. And uh, before I even had to say yes or no, everyone else was like, yeah, okay, cool. That looks awesome. Let's do it. And then I was like, well, actually, I have Vindication from a, a certain someone <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, far away. Uh, and he's like, oh, that's actually how I found this through the Vindication. And we should play that. And I was like, great. So I think that for something that we have known about for a long time, Kickstarter mm-hmm. is still becoming more and more mainstream right. by the month with people realizing what's available in Kickstarter mm-hmm. and and there are and, and and this I think this trend will continue. Um what I'm worried about is the logistics of Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, for 2020 uh, between the distributors and uh, the unknown, the big giant question marks on shipping issues and tariffs mm-hmm. and and what's going on with them and who, who's going to try to leverage th- that to make more money because I've already right. seen it in one yep. of the Kickstarters I've done. Uh, where they're giving you high shipping costs because they're expecting to run into problems, but they're not offering to lower shipping costs if they don't, right. which is a problem. Uh, so there's definitely – so the problem with it that I find – one of the problems I find with Kickstarter is you're at the mercy of the creator. Yeah. And I've always had faith in Kickstarter because – Kickstarter is an investment, essentially, that you might not get your money back on. That's always been upfront, like. But I don't think people who are getting into Kickstarter now know that because it is not something that is put in front of your face anymore. Mm-hmm. For us who got into Kickstarter two, three, four years ago, that was the first thing you would see. This is, you know, this is whatever they wanted to word it as. You know, so I don't know. I'm dancing around my issue with Kickstarter, but I hope to see them become more successful because it provides more content for board games. But I don't want it to be at the expense of us, the gamers. I would agree with everything you said there. I I think that, you know, I slowed down on the number of Kickstarters I backed this year. I also just slowed down on number of games I purchased in general, even though I still bought probably more than I should have, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I'm getting more and more choosy about what I am purchasing on Kickstarter and the number of games I'm backing. And maybe I'm wrong. I feel like that's what everyone is doing, but maybe, you know, with all these Kickstarters raising a ton of money, maybe I'm just totally wrong about that. Maybe, you know, a ton of people are, backing away to their heart's content and that's the only way they buy board games now is that way is they don't buy you know the typical msrp released games anymore i don't know so 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I I think for the most part, I think Kickstarter is going to continue doing its thing. I think you'll still see a lot of big name projects go there. I think you'll still see millions and millions of dollars raised by Kickstarter projects. Um, but I do think that we might see each company individually doing maybe one or two less Kickstarters than they would have done otherwise. Um, just because I, I, I feel like things are starting to slow down. I could be wrong, um, but it, it kind of seems that way. So there, There is a Kickstarter right now mm-hmm. called Hong Kong Summer 2019. Okay. It is a board game miniatures about the real-life situations that are happening with oh. rioters in Hong Kong right now. Okay. It is... Four hundred twenty-eight percent funded. Goodness, how much money is that? That is only that's forty-five thousand dollars. So, let me ask you a question: If there's four hundred sixty-six backers, uh huh, it's a miniatures game based on the re- real-life events where mm-hmm. in the game players act as the protesters against the extradition law amendment bill movement in Hong Kong. All you are doing is playing as that group of people. Okay. Um, uh, We hope to let the players experience what ridiculous events had happened in Hong Kong during this time in the form of a tabletop RPG board game. Okay. So you get this giant, like, dead of winter looking set. Other characters include corrupted cops, riot police, and tear gas police. Yep. So, this is something that maybe Kickstarter is going to face in 2020 with... I don't even know how to say this without feeling like I'm saying something wrong. This is a very politically one one side opinionated game. Yeah. So, what do you do in a situation like that? They also unlock the PC version, which includes the same missions in the base game. (laughs) Just so you know. Gotcha. Uh, my so my worry when looking at this is delivery. Getting this this game being delivered to people. Uh huh. You're pushing this giant game. Your goal was nineteen thousand dollars on Kickstarter. You're shipping from China, from Hong Kong. Right. Sorry, not China. From Hong Kong to the U.S. It's in English and Cantonese. Mm-hmm. When you back something like this, yeah. What what is your expectation? I, well. <laughs> Here's my thing. I would not back that game. <laughs> and not because of the subject matter, but who like has the person who's created it have they ever made any other projects that have successfully funded? It is created by K K No, they this is their first created yeah. project. <laughs> I'm not backing that project because of that alone. Right. You know, and I, I think it's you know, they obviously are tr- in my mind, it seems like they are trying to capitalize on a political environment that people are interested in currently and want to be talking about, right? Yeah. If you release that game without any other, without tying it to the events in Hong Kong, and you just had it a game about protesters and the police and trying to, you know, that might be a charged concept anyway. Yeah. But, you know, that is something I don't think would necessarily go as high profile or people wouldn't think about it as much i look at it as like uh this this war of mine right yes that game um was based off of you know they don't talk about necessarily the actual incidents that were it was based off of but that game is all about you know being a civilian a group of civilians trying to survive in a war-torn city 
which was based off actual events that happened in Eastern Europe. Right. So right. They don't name those events. They don't talk about the events that happened. But that is a really politically charged thing still, just maybe not quite as fresh necessarily or as in your face. So I, I don't necessarily think that is wrong or that Kickstarter needs to necessarily do anything about it. Right. Uh, but I would not back that game in any way, shape or form, even if I was like, oh, man. 50% of the proceeds were going to support the protesters, and that was something that I believed in yeah. because of who created it and the fact that they've never done anything successfully before. I'm out. I'm totally out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just Yeah. So anyways, I didn't expect to find that. I was just pulling up my Kickstarter app to look at all of the board games that are just listed uh, on the very front of the page. And... There's so many board games that are that are flooding Kickstarter. Right. You know, that was the first one that, that came up, but there's like that Red Outpost that is, you know, at $117,000 on a goal of $3,000. Um, there's Sins, an Infernal Deck Builder that's 3,000% funded. That's 556 backers. There, there, Everyone in the world seems to be on Kickstarter backing board games. So it does seem that way. That's for sure. So it's definitely something that is pretty strong right now. I would say to get off of that weird um, <laughs> diversion. <laughs> and you expect it to continue to be strong? I assume. I think so. I think we're going to see yeah. a lot more um, IP-driven games on Kickstarter in 2020. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think that would make sense for sure. All right. So, anything you want to talk about in general about twenty twenty eight board games before we get our to our predictions? Well, it's interesting um, because I like I, I know what we're doing about video games, but it's almost impossible to find board games that are coming out next year. Uh, it is very challenging. There's like lists of um, Kickstarters that are launching yep. in the next three yep. months. But you can't find any companies, and, and maybe it's because they want the, the, the surprise, like at cons, like the big announcements, and, and perhaps that's what it is, like their little little micro E3s throughout right. the year. But it's just very interesting to me that we couldn't really just pull up a list of our most excited board games of 2020 because you just you can't find any. <laughs> right, for sure. Uh, it's interesting because I actually was looking back since you were looking at your Kickstarter stuff. I was looking at mine and of the games I backed this year, man, I don't have no. I have two of the games that I backed this year. I have already, but that's it. So I don't even think to look at the ones I backed this year because the games I haven't, I haven't gotten. Well, and obviously many of these were like, oh, you're getting them in 2020, so they're not late by any means. <laughs> but I um, backed the expansions for Everdell, Sleeping Gods, Tussie Mussy, which I got, and Valley of the Kings Premium, which I got. Root, the Underworld expansion, and Awari. I think Tidal Blades was last year. I don't think that was this year. I it can't was, remember. It was this year. Okay. So then that would probably be it for me that it happened this year. So, which is, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six games. Not that many compared <laughs> to previous years. I did 16. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten them all, but I did 16 this year. Okay. So, you know, one of us does a little more Kickstarter than the other one does. <laughs> They're arguably not some of most of them aren't very expensive games though except for title blades yeah no that i understand i actually it was funny because i was looking the other day at my longest outstanding kickstarter that i haven't gotten yet mm. um and it was and it was supposed to the project funded in 2014 
Oh wow! And I still—it's a video game, and I still don't have it. Oh no! Yep. So that'll be interesting. The original estimated delivery date um, was May 2015. <laughs> surprise! Oh, surprise! And it was supposed to be a PS4 game. <laughs> oh boy. Well, rest in peace, that game. <laughs> I know, PS5, here we come. Okay, so we will get to then our board game predictions for 2020. I have five predictions. How many do you have, sir? Uh, I have some. I'm not saying. <laughs> we'll just okay. Get, we'll just get to them. <laughs> no, I have, okay. I have three predictions. Okay, that's fine. Uh, what is, well, here, I'll start. Then. Yeah, you should so start. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, so, and, okay. If you had to look at the tone or theme of your predictions, are they generally yeah. positive, generally negative? What are your tone slash theme? Um, I would say mixed. I, I didn't necessarily come into them positive or negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could potentially view them as negative, but in my mind, um, neutral. <laughs> gotcha. I think mine overall trend towards negative, yeah. but we'll see what happens. Yeah. So. Okay, so here's my first prediction, and this is a prediction I made last year as well, but I think it still holds true. I think Asmodee is going to make one high-profile acquisition again in 2020. Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, I'm gonna, I didn't, I hoped you didn't go with it first because I was going to say, I want to steal one of Kyle's from last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. If you had to guess, who would you say they're going to get? Oh, I don't know. You know, uh, we didn't get a big, big one from them. We got we got a, a couple acquisitions from them, but some small ones for sure. We didn't get a big one. They still have the money. They're putting it into um, apparently video games, which we'll get into. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that I could guess because my guess would be it would be a a, um, a game studio that needs help, and I don't know that I'm actively aware of mm-hmm. uh, any company that needs help right now. Here's the interesting thing. When I think of this, I think it might be a video game company that they buy. Okay. Because I can see them wanting more help getting more of their games digital. And I don't know what Ugh. that company would be. Like, I, I don't know who they would go for because I'm not versed enough in the mobile space, especially with those who are making board games. Yeah. Um, but I could see them purchasing another company to fold into Asmodee Digital. Sure. I mean, so. there's a lot of co- good companies out there. Red Raven, Breaking Games, um, Dude mm-hmm. Games. There's a lot of, like, I'm just looking at my board games here that are smaller companies that could definitely be brought into the fold. Even right. Osprey Games, because they're, like, very um, RPG-centric, but they do have a yep. lot of great board games with them, and mm-hmm. and um, I could see that happening as well. But, yeah. For sure. But I don't know. But that was definitely <laughs> one of my... One of my predictions. <laughs> okay, so shared prediction <laughs> is that Asmodee is going to make a high-profile acquisition. Okay, then I will go again. Yeah. Uh, okay. Since, okay. Uh, so, and I, <laughs> this is where things get a little sad. Okay, I think that one, and I'm going to use the word significant. Mm-hmm. One significant board game company <laughs> is going to close its doors this year. Okay. Interesting. That's it. You don't want to say who it it is. I'm not going to say who I think it is. I do have a specific company in mind. Yeah, but I I I do think that there is one more major brand in the board game companies in the board game space uh, that is going to close the stores this year. Okay. All right. Do you think Do you think that's ridiculous? Am I totally off base? What are your thoughts? No. I mean, with the volume of board games coming out, that makes that makes total sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, What is a prediction from you then, sir? Uh, You could maybe consider it similar to your thought, but. I think we're going to see a major um, board game studio uh, start uh, specifically releasing board games on Kickstarter, which I do not like. Um, 
because so they will move from doing the typical like we'll use uh, who do I want like if Renegade started doing everything via Kickstarter yeah like they almost kind of are (laughs) Uh, no actually I was thinking more of like Simon okay but I think we're gonna see a a company we can use Renegade as as the example where they do maybe two actually let's use AEG because they specifically said. They want to do less board games and focus on quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's say AEG does three main board game releases for 2020, but they do 10 Kickstarter games because okay. they're not risking any lost um, investment and any, any lost. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, investment in the games. So right. Uh, I don't like this because Indiegogo and Kickstarter are, are supposed to exist for creators and developers who can't afford to necessarily fund their product right away or find mm-hmm. a studio to back them. And I still think that that should be the way it is. Obviously, it's not anymore, at least on Kickstarter. Um, so I don't think this is a good thing, but I do think we're going to see at least one, if not more, game studios uh, start focusing more on kickstarting their their games instead of um, releasing product to the market as right. a general release, which is gotcha. a bummer. Gotcha. Okay. That I, yeah, that's interesting. I could see that, and I also probably would agree with your sentiment on it. So, um, okay. So my next one, also kind of a bummer one. I think there will be one major Kickstarter failure this year where the funds are collected and it's a significant amount of money, but the game never ships. Sure. I'm sure Golden Bell Studios has something to do with it. (laughs) I'm just going based on experience. (laughs) Hey, you got your game. Uh, You know what? I did. I got my game from a backer, not from the company. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well... That's true, I guess. So, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is mine. I think there's going to be a big one. Um, and I'm talking a game that, in my mind, when I wrote this, I'm talking a game that generates like over a million dollars. Uh, I mean, I could see that happening. It happened with Evil Dead too. Yep. The first I, version of it. <laughs> correct. Because we had someone in our Discord say, "Hey, I backed Evil Dead two on Kickstarter two years ago," and then. We were told we weren't getting our games, and then I just got an email saying I'm getting a copy of Evil Dead 2, and I was like, I'm so happy to hear you say that, but it's not from the people you backed it from. It's right. from this other better company that you know made this awesome deal to get you your game. So it was nice to hear that story that I didn't think we were going to know someone who experienced that. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's way off topic. So my last that one... Um, I, I would have had more. It's just, it's just been a hell of a weekend. Uh, <laughs> um, is I really, we kind of already talked about it earlier. I really see this resurgence in video game IP board games, um, because of, uh, in not just video games. Well, I, I'm thinking video games specifically, but I'm thinking of it because of the popularity with licensed games this year mm-hmm. uh specifically from like prospero hall because right. of the quality of games coming out but we're going to see metal gear it's definitely gained a lot of buzz um 
you know, we, we've yet to know if the game's good or not, but do I have faith in Emerson to put out an incredible game? Yes. So right. I, I assume the game will be great. Um, but not only that, but we have a video game company who has decided to create their own board game studio to put out their own games. Every time mm-hmm. I go to PAX Unplugged, I see more and more people testing the idea of video games as board games. Right. Uh, the, the fact that Riot Games hasn't done a Max vs. Minion sequel really just confuses the heck out of me because they made so much money on that right. board game. So I really think 2020 is going to be the year of new board games based on video game IPs um, mm-hmm. from everything from from Mega Man to Contra to uh, Mario. Who knows? Like, there's so many possibilities. Um, and we're going to get the release of the Horizon Zero Dawn game next year. Right. Uh, which could create more buzz if it's as good as it should be. Josh, you want to know something interesting? Is it the same one? Did you have the same my, prediction? My, my next prediction was that, quote, three video game franchises <laughs> will have their first board game version announced slash released. And I specified uh, these are games we currently don't know about. Okay. And the video game has never had a board game before. Okay. So these are brand new games that are or games that are for the first time ever coming to the tabletop. So you know not not Mega Man because they have they have a board game right and not one of the million Mario yeah. games that exist already but something totally new all not this doesn't count because we already know about it like all of the Horizon Zero Dawn game yeah. all of the Metal Gear game um, I, I just really think that this is going to be something that is going to start to happen more um, and it wouldn't surprise me I didn't go on and say this but I would love an, like an E3 announcement when they're talking about next generation consoles Here's how we're going to completely reinvent, you know, your your gaming experience. If not only are you going to be having this with the best fidelity, blah 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 blah, but you can also, you know, play it on your table and do all these other things and have these experiences elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a big one. So, my final one uh, is another bummer of one. Um, I think there is going to be one significant game convention that will announce 2020 is its last year of doing the convention. Yeah, uh, there's too many big game conventions right now, so I agree with that. So, like I said, I feel like mine are all kind of a bummer, and I, I don't think we're on a quote-unquote gaming bubble. Like, I don't think the industry is set to go into ruin, but I think the industry is set to pare back just a little bit on what it's doing. Yeah, you need balance, right? And, like, right. if they're smart enough to see we're oversaturated in this, take it back a little bit. And right, for sure. We need that balance. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Absolutely. All right, sir. Then what are what is your first board game goal for 2020? Okay. I don't want to just say to play more board games because that's a cheap answer, right? Right. Um, but I have so, so many board games to play. So my first true goal is related to that. It's So I don't want to just focus on my new board games, right? So I have yep. this giant shiny stack of new board games here i don't want that to overshadow my games i haven't played yet so my first Mm -hmm. goal is related to i guess we'll be having in 2020 Mm -hmm. and i want to get my semistics to the table like asap um i really want to get that game and give it a like if my wife isn't into it i that's fine but i need to figure that out so 
my first goal of 2020 is to get my Mystics to the table and give it its give it a fair shot and make sure something that I didn't know. Uh, I'll roll that. In. That's one of my other goals. So I don't want to talk more. Okay. About it. Okay. No, that's so fine. that's one of them. That's great. My Mystics. Okay. Mine is slightly related. Imagine that. Um, okay. So <laughs> on my gaming shelves, we have there are four shelves. And then there are cabinets below that have games in them. Yeah. But on just two of the shelves, I only counted two of them, I have 23 unplayed games. <laughs> yeah. I recognize saying I'm going to play all 23 of those or whatever this year is, is impossible. But I just want to, and I think probably what happens, and I was talking with my partner about this, we, we run into the same issue when watching Netflix, when watching all these other things. It, it really just never quite works out because you look at all the things, you're like, I want to get all this stuff done, and then you just don't do any of it, right? Because yeah. there's so much. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to play one new game a month. That's it. Just nice. one. And... All of the other time, if I decide I want to play another new game during the month, great. But if I want to play old things that I really enjoy, I'm just going to do that. Uh, and I think that'll help because right now I go and I look at all the games that are new that I haven't played. And I'm just like, man, I don't have the time to learn the rules for these. I don't have time to do all this because I think of all of them in total, right? So playing one a month isn't even going to get me through the backlog I have currently. Yeah. But I think it'll at least help me start making a dent on it. So one new game a month is what I'm committing to playing. No more. No less. Nice. No more? Well, potentially more, <laughs> but I'm not making myself play sure. more or setting a goal for more because that's what I've done every other year and it just doesn't work. Like I feel so much pressure to get them done yeah. that I'm just like, wow, well, it's just not going to happen. So one new game a month. What's your second goal, sir? Okay. So my second goal, was, I almost started talking about it a second ago. So when I when we sit down to play a game, especially if it's a new game, for whatever reason, my brain wants people to experience everything with me for the first time, like from mm-hmm. setup to reading the rules, right, etc. And and I realize that that isn't ideal for everybody. So my my goal is, um, and we're going to go from similar to similar to similar. So whereas you want to play one new game a month, what I want to make sure that I do. Before we sit down to play a new game, whether it's my third new game for the month or my first, I want to have prepared as much as possible to teach the game and not Mm -hmm. necessarily to learn it with somebody. So that includes me reading the rules ahead of time, watching how to plays, Mm -hmm. um, etc. So for me, this is going to be a challenge because... Just like I don't like my spoilers in my movies, I also really enjoy finding out about how a game plays while I'm beginning to play it. Oh, interesting. To me, that really, like, I know the idea, the theme, the look of the game, but I really enjoy finding out about the gameplay mechanisms as I'm sitting Mm -hmm. down to play the game. So for me, it's going to be a challenge to already know that ahead of time. Right. However, I think what this will do is allow me to better schedule game time with my wife. Right. So I'll be like, like last night, we were going to play a game. We were supposed to play a game. All, and I said, we're going to play a game. And I said, you can pick it. You pick the game. And then, of course, by the time we got the kid down and we we're going to play a game, she didn't want to play a game. And I said, no, we're playing a game. <laughs> you can pick it. So she literally walked in here and. Pick the game with the shortest playtime. 
And I was like, great. <laughs> okay, fine. And we literally played a game in 20 minutes. And I said, can we just play another game that I promise is short? No, I'm done. So I think if I'm able to tell her, hey, let's pick a game. We'll play next Saturday. It's Saturday mm-hmm. now. During the week, I will learn how to play it so I can teach it to you quicker. And then maybe we'll have time to play an older game after we play the new game. Right. So maybe we'll play Splendor or Alhambra again. But my goal is to um, come in prepared to teach a game to one or more people. Whereas uh, I feel like it would be uh, bring a better experience to playing games. You know, it's really interesting that um, that is the only way the partner and I play games. Yeah, I know you pre like pre set up and stuff. Right. And whoever's the person who wanted to get the game is the person who's responsible for knowing the rules. Also me all the time, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, okay, so really I mean I don't want to get too much into this. No, it's okay. Because like we played a feast for Odin earlier today. She wanted that game. So she learned the rules for a feast of Odin. It took her like two days to learn the rules for this game. (laughs) But when we sat down and played it today, it took her twenty minutes to explain it to me, because it's a pretty in depth game. Yeah. Um, and then we just played. Nice. So like my, you know, hurdle for playing was almost nothing. You know, I will say, Josh, this game, oh goodness, it's so straightforward and complicated <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, you just take an action and it depending on how, you know, how good the action is, it takes between one and four meeples, but there's over 60 actions to choose from. Yeah, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that more in the future. Yeah. We'll but play anyway. it, we can play it at the PSVG meetup. There we go. That'll be great. I'll just bring that, and then if anybody tries to break into the house, I can hit him with you it. You bring that, and I bring Terra Mystica. I'm sure we'll win over every non Everyone gamer. will be thrilled. It'll be great. All right. Uh, my next one, actually, uh, my next goal is actually something I started today, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, one thing I've been really bad at is keeping track of the games that I have played. Hmm. I have never in any way, shape, or form logged any of my games. So today, I started... And used, started using BG Stats, the app. Yep. It's $3. I have it. I have it now, too. Nice. And I logged my play for a Feast of Odin, or a Feast for Odin. And I will now log every game that is played in 2020. So I logged today's play just to make sure I could, had a good feel for how everything worked. Um, but I really just want to do a better job of keeping track of the games that I'm playing. Uh, and really just having a good record of what I've done over the year. Not that I want to brag or anything like that but i just really would like to have a better idea of how much time am i spending playing games am i really how long has it been since i've played x game and just having a better job of making sure i'm you know really paying attention to what i am playing how often i'm playing it so that i can keep a better job uh or keep up with my collection better of is it time to trade some stuff out that is not getting played excuse me regularly and things like that. So, uh, started using BG stats. I'm going to log all my games in 2020. Every game I play, it will be logged. I guarantee it. Nice. Awesome. What is it? Do you have a final goal? I do, but I just found out I had BG stats on my iPhone, but not on my. Oh, no. Google. So maybe I'll just be using a spreadsheet to log my uh, <laughs> games and then I'll put it on um, Board Game Geek. Uh, my last goal for 2020 is my craziest goal uh, I believe and, in you. and that is to f- complete gloomhaven by the end of the year Ooh. Um, and that means better coordinating um, game nights and mm-hmm. trying to get it from one to two nights a month and then hopefully 
being able to find even more time to do that or Mm -hmm. being able to allocate more time on the day we're playing, uh, which (laughs) involves a very crafty scheme of getting me and my friend's wives together so they can actually go out and do things Ah. the whole day so it doesn't seem like we're monopolizing their free time Gotcha. uh, and other things. So my goal is to figure that out and I I will be backing Frosty even this year. In fact, is it in in a couple months? March, So I would like to, yeah, in March. So I, I would like to be ready to play Frosthaven when it comes out in 2021. So my goal is to, if not complete, 90% complete Gloomhaven by the end of 2020. Very cool. Very cool. I support you in that endeavor, and I look forward to hearing about it on our podcast. Thanks. (laughs) All right. So my final one is I am going to start using Board Game Geek more actively. I, right now, look at it daily almost yeah Uh, i've never posted a thing ever on it i've never in any way shape or form interacted with someone via board game geek Uh, but i think it probably would just be good for me and probably actually good for our podcast us yeah (laughs) if i actually started being more active on there so that is my goal is to more actively engage with the with the folks on board game geek uh and use it there i don't know that i'm going to cross all of my plays like log them in both places um, but I do want to, maybe I'll rate games on board game geek and start posting things and more like that. I, I do want to go ahead. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I'm going to, I do want to break out all the interviews we've done indiv- individually oh, nice. um, and just have like those available and all that good stuff that way. So that would be cool to do in the future more as well. So anyway, anything else you want to say about board games in 2020 before we move on to video oh, games? Oh, I love board games. Let's have more of them. <laughs> Let's have more of them. Indeed. All right. So moving on to video games, you know, video games different than board games in the sense that we have a pretty decent idea about what a lot of early 2020 is going to look like, but Uh we don't know much about what late 2020 is going to look like. Thanks to new consoles and all that good stuff that are supposed to come out in the holiday. So to start with, we're just going to kind of talk about the games that are scheduled to release, what we're interested, what we're not interested in, and kind of the way things are looking there. Josh, I'm just going to run through the list. If there's something you want to talk about, just interrupt me and we'll talk about it. Sound good? Oh, man. You know, I hate interrupting, but sure. (laughs) I will go at a pace where there's a natural break. I'll do... How about I do what Donnie seemed to love, which was my reactions to the Game Award winners. (laughs) Okay, that sounds great. We'll do that. Starting January 9th, Monster Hunter World Iceborne for PC. January 17th, we get Dragon Ball Z Kakarot and Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore. Hashtag. (laughs) January 23rd is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered. Again? Uh, Oddworld (laughs) Stranger's Wrath HD. Uh, On the Switch, right? So it's a 15-year-old game coming out new on the Switch. Indeed. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. I thought that was only VR. That's on PC, so that could be. Okay. Boom. uh, January twenty eighth <laughs> is Journey to the Savage Planet. This one looks interesting, actually. I'm 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 excited to not like it, but it looks very cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then also is Warcraft three reforged. That's awesome. I can't wait for that. Okay, February fourth, Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance Tactics. No. <laughs> February eleventh is Yakuza five. There's more. <laughs> February fourteenth is Darksiders Genesis. Oh. 
That's this is Stadia. the console release. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the console release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Dreams. That's not out already. No, it's not. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Street Fighter V Champion Edition. They they do it every time, but I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, February 18th is Bayonetta and Vanquish 10th Anniversary Bundle. And that's not on the Switch? That is not on the Switch. <laughs> oh, we gotta wait five more years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, February 20th is Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition on Switch. Oh, there we go. Uh, and Undernight in Birth X... Oh my gosh, I don't even know how X-Latte. to say all that. Exlatte <laughs> Clear? No, it's uh, EXE... Uh, late, and then it's um, it's like it's DOS code for some reason. CLR. Okay, there you go. <laughs> There's one of those games. Uh, February twenty fifth is is Mega Man Zero slash ZX Legacy Collection. Yeah. <laughs> All right. February twenty eighth is Marvel's Iron Man VR. Uh yeah. I mean, uh, PS VR FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah. that. Uh also One Punch Man, a hero nobody knows. A uh, fun story. Uh when my Hulu account was stolen and sold on the dark web, <laughs> the one thing that people used for my account was One Punch Man for some reason. <laughs> That's such a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Sold on the dark web. Um okay. Yeah. Uh March. March third, Final Fantasy VII remake. March 11th, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Or is it? <laughs> okay. March 13th, My Hero won Justice 2. Uh-huh. More anime. Uh, also that day is Neo 2. Neo 2. Okay. March 20th, <laughs> Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah, I had to get my wife a Switch Lite just for this game. <laughs> okay. Uh, also that day, Doom 64 and Doom Eternal. Yeah. Okay, March 24th, Bleeding Edge. Uh-huh, that's, yeah. Okay, March 31st, Persona 5 Royal. We are, yeah, we already had a Persona 5. We did, this is like, this is like this the is Persona 4, edition. this is like the, yeah, it's like Persona 4 Golden, but Persona 5 Royal. Great, it's just another 60 hour game before you get to the game. No, oh, six, <laughs> I was gonna say sixty-hour game. I'm like, no, but until you get to the game, eh, maybe. Uh, also, sometime in March is Half-Life Alex, Half-Life Three, um, and Vampire: The Masquerade: Bloodlines Two. Why does it say Amazon? Because you can buy it on Amazon. It's a pre-order link. Uh, <laughs> I was why. like, oh, we got a new, we got a new contender entering the arena. All <sighs> right, moving into April then. Uh, April sixteenth is Cyberpunk twenty seventy-seven. Keanu. April 24th is Trials of Mana. Okay, can you explain this to me? Isn't this just the crazy old Secret of Mana's sequel? This is the... Is this the one that is... Hold on, I'm clicking the link. (laughs) Uh, Of course, there's nothing here. Uh, Okay, continue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Oh, April 28th, Gears Tactics. Yes, I'm excited for that one. Okay, April to be determined still, Minecraft Dungeons. Yeah, Minecraft Diablo, very cool. All right, May 15th, Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, that will be pushed back. May 22nd, (laughs) Maneater. I don't know what that is. (laughs) I don't either. Uh, May 29th, The Last of Us Part 2. Yeah, I'm supposed to be excited, so hooray. (laughs) Okay, and sometime in May, Wasteland 3. Yeah, it's weird about Wasteland 3. I'm not trying to discount the game, but it's odd that they focused on that at the Xbox conference, which was, I don't know why. why, I mean, I know why they focused on it, 
because of a certain studio, but I don't know right. it should have been the headliner to the <laughs> experience. Yeah, and I totally get that not every game is for every person. I totally 100% understand that. But I think that that style of game is really the the number of people who are interested in that it seems to be a, a more narrow field of view, if you would, than some other games they potentially could have focused on. Because as soon as they went to that, I'm like, I'm out. I have, I'm have, i not going to watch this anymore. It's a weird mix it... of XCOM, but with Fallout 2, but also with an RPG. So you're not really getting a, a specific experience with the game. And, and I'm basing that on Wasteland 2. Um, mm-hmm. um, but it sounds like what they're saying is it's going to be very similar. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of other big games still co- that are at this point, quote unquote, confirmed for 2020, including 12 Minutes, Bravely Default 2, uh, Destroy All Humans Remaster, the, uh, Dying Light 2, Godfall, Gods and Monsters, Ghost of Tsushima, Halo Infinite, uh, Kerbal Space Program 2, the whole Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, which should be interesting. Um, Flight Simulator is supposed to come in. No More Heroes 3. That one was for you, Donnie. Uh, Predator Hunting Grounds actually is in April. I don't know why that's not in the list there. Uh, Psychonauts 2, Roller Champions, Skull and Bones. Do you think Skull and Bones, do you think that's, that's actually going to come out 2020? No, it's not even yeah, coming that's... out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine is still supposed to come out. Watch Dogs Legion. Um, so a whole bunch of other games kind of, you know, on the precipice or, or talked about for 2020. When you think of 2020, excluding not even thinking about new consoles. Yeah. Just for the games that we know about so far. Are you looking forward to 2020? I mean, I I am. Um, and I know you said not to take into account new consoles, but I think I have to because I'm surprised at how many games are coming out in a new console generation year. Usually like when a new when a new generation of consoles comes out, we we don't see this many like big games coming out. So yeah. I'm very surprised at the amount of big games coming out. And that's a I guess that's that's a good thing. Uh but right. people genuinely genuinely generally want to save money on a new console year and this could be a problem unless you have game pass <laughs> yeah i mean there, there are some exceptions obviously you know uh the last of us came out in 2013 sure you know so there are exceptions here and there but typically you're right like the year that we're wrapping up now is usually the year that has a whole bunch of big hitters in it where it's interesting because i felt like last year had some really big hitters this year had a lot of good games yeah and I think next year is shaping up to have, again, a lot of big hitters in it. So it is kind of an odd timeline compared to what we might expect to see. Yeah, it is. I mean, it kind of makes you wonder if we're being forced into this new generation when they're... And I think this happened with the last gen. Like, when they're finally developing games to their fullest developmental mm-hmm. per, uh, like um, possibility, like, why not? I don't know. I, I just feel like sometimes when we hit this... We could have another solid year of Xbox One and PS4 games looking incredible. Right. Not having to worry about a next generation of games. Like when Destiny came out and it was on both 360 and Xbox One and PS3 and PS4. It, it was just this weird... We're still going to have those questions, right? If we get dual launch games, are we getting a subpar game? on the console we already, we already have, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it is weird to see, are we going to get Cyberpunk 2077 on next-gen consoles also? 
And is it going to be remarkably better, like on a PC playing at higher specs? Well, in, in some ways, you are though, right? Because they said everything's going to be backward compatible, yeah. right? So you'll be able to play your, you know, Xbox. What you'll be able to play your games on your Xbox on your Series X, including right. Cyberpunk. So why buy you know, it? Well, but is it, is there going to be enough a uh, patch that you know right. updates the graphics, updates the load speeds, updates all of that stuff? You know, if that doesn't just happen naturally as far as loads, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, I, I do wonder if that's going to happen. And, you know, from what people have said, I, I'm not an expert in these things by any means, but it, it sounds like, you know, you spec the game to the highest level you can and then bring it back for the lower levels. Right, right. And I, I think especially, you know, last gen to this gen, I think it's a little different than this gen to next gen, whereas architecture and stuff seems like it's staying pretty similar. It's just moving up and increasing power and and what's under the hood, if you were, that's pushing that. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think the big thing that we'll be telling is whether or not those quote unquote updates cost anything. Oh, God, I can't even. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you if you're <laughs> playing cyberpunk and maybe cyberpunk's a bad example because of the way CD Projekt Red tends to do those things. But if you're playing, you know, the next Assassin's Creed or whatever. Well, I probably would release when the consoles do. <laughs> Last of Us <laughs> really 2. Really bad example. Yeah, if you're any, yeah, Last of Us 2, and then it's like, oh, here's the PS5 version, you know, that is the $10 more. $10 more. Or yeah. if you have the PS4 version, you can pay $10 to get the fancy graphics upgrade pack. Right. You know, if you want to. Um, and that's what I'm interested to see if that, those things happen or not. Um, but I'm really interested. I, I think it's very, I'm really wondering what. PlayStation is going to talk about as far as launch lineup goes because Xbox has Halo. We already know that. We yeah. know that Xbox has Halo. And yeah, we've seen trailers for, we saw trailers for the next Senua game and all that stuff, which they obviously didn't say was launched by any means. But Xbox has Halo. What in the world? Godfall is not good enough. I'm sorry. Like if you're PlayStation, you that can't be it. So I really wonder what that's going to be for them. I think we proved though that PlayStation gamers. And this is not a slight to them. They're not looking for that first-person shooter game. It's so, true, they're not. So, so Halo isn't the killer. Isn't the killer that Microsoft needs for launch? Like, mm. plays, Xbox needs a game that's going to take PlayStation gamers away from PlayStation, at least for that launch window. And that's not Halo. Does it though? In the sense of if you well, are for sales, I mean, like Xbox needs to exponentially increase their sales to be competitive because. Sony blows them out of the water. Well, right, but if you are if you are say you're a PlayStation gamer or an Xbox, say you have one PlayStation gamer and one Xbox gamer. Yeah. And yes, you could say okay, well Game Pass is a thing that'll pull a PlayStation person over. Maybe it will, who knows. But if you have Halo sitting there on release day that is going to look and play best on your brand new console, yeah. Are you more likely to upgrade you know, versus a PlayStation person, yeah, they might not jump ship, but maybe they're also like, well, I'm not just going to buy anything because there's nothing that I want for my PlayStation 5 right now. Right. You know? That's true. So I think, That's true. I think it's even just who are you going to get to upgrade or or stay in the ecosystem day one. And maybe the PlayStation 4 gamer doesn't leave even, but if they're not buying the PlayStation 5 because you don't have the thing... That's going to look rough for them. And when holiday sales come out and when all that stuff comes out and Xbox looks great because all these people bought Halo or upgraded because of Halo, well, now PlayStation immediately, just like Xbox was before, is a step behind, even if realistically, you know, it's been six weeks. Yeah, that's a good point. I wasn't thinking of it that way. That's true. 
So, okay. Anything else we want to talk about 2020-wise before we get into our predictions? Anything you want to say about next-gen consoles or anything like that before we get into the fun stuff? No, because one of mine is a prediction, so I don't want to... Uh... Sound overkill it. <laughs> okay, no, no problem at all. How many game video game predictions do you have? I also did three. <laughs> okay, perfect. I will start then. So all here right. we go. All right. I will well I'm trying to pick something that you're not going to. Okay. <laughs> Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild 2. Do you, yeah. are any your predictions about this? No, no. Okay, perfect. <laughs> will and this is from someone who knows nothing about Nintendo, so this could be completely wrong. I'm I apologize. It's a prediction. It's going to release holiday 2020 as Nintendo's way to draw attention from the new console releases. That is how they are going to combat new consoles is saying like, hey, here's the sequel to the best game of all time. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. If not more than just Breath of the Wild, but yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree. And like I said, I don't know. I will preface this with, I don't know if that will for sure happen, but I think that's what they want to have happen. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they have to stay competitive and, and that's a great way to do it. So. Cool. All right, sir. Your first prediction. Okay. Um, my first prediction is one of the two new console generations mm-hmm. is is going to have a colossal failure of a launch. Oh, and I, okay. And I think one of them is going to come out with a five ninety nine price tag. Mm. Um, and I think that's what is going to. It, it, and I and I think it's going to be we're, we're in this race, right? I'm not predicting which if it's Microsoft or Sony because I honestly don't know what I think. But w- what we're going to see is someone's going to announce a price first, unfortunately, for that person, mm-hmm. and then the next whoever doesn't is going to have what twelve hours to scramble to try to find a way. To get their console at a lower price, if they already haven't like nailed that lower price, and I. Think- so are you are you saying that uh, prices will be announced at E three then, if it's that time frame? And I think they have to announce at E three if they're trying to get out holiday twenty twenty. Like that's the latest you can announce it, if not earlier than E right. three. Like maybe prices before E three and then games at E three. Um, I mean, we still haven't even seen what the PS five looks like. Right. Uh, so who knows? And, and with PlayStation doing the state of play, and maybe they're skipping E three again um, for a more favorable like model for them, uh, which I wouldn't blame them for doing. Uh, they might not even be at E three, so who knows? But I really feel like someone's going to think this is a make or break year for them, and 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 we've seen it happen before. And I'm not saying that Sony is going to do it again. It could easily be Microsoft, but someone's going to mess up on the price point because they think that they can get people to pay a certain amount right? by pricing out. They're putting a price on the graphics, on the, on the game, on the price of making games and publishing games, which I don't have a problem with, but I just don't think it's going to be what gamers are, are able to or willing to spend on a console. Why not buy a PC at that point? Gotcha. I th- I think, and I could be totally wrong, my sneaky suspicion is that I do think Xbox is going to launch with two versions. I think so too, yeah. I think they're going to have a, a, a version that is less expensive 
they're in the, like, say it's like 350 or whatever. Yeah. And then the PlayStation 5 will be at 400. And then the more expensive version will be 500 for Xbox. Sure. Is what I think is going to happen. Um, and whether it be the Xbox Series S and the Xbox Series X or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think that Sony is going to be sandwiched in between. So no matter what it looks like, even if their $400 machine is specced similarly to the $500 machine that Xbox has, it's going to look quote unquote more expensive. Yeah. So awesome. I have a goal. Sim- not, eh, I'll say I, a prediction that is kind of in line with this, or it has to deal with launch of the new consoles. I'm going to say that the launch lineup for PlayStation five and the next Xbox are going to widely be considered to be very good. <laughs> okay. I think that they are both going to have um, some big hitter games with them. Um, so this is not going to be kind of like where the PS4 and the Xbox one launch lineup were fine. Like there were fine games for them. Um, I think this is going to be overall a, a really solid launch. I think there's going to be a one or two standout titles for each system. Um, and that people will look back positively about the launch of these systems. Cool. I predict around September mm-hmm. or October, mm-hmm. Bioware is going to have a big event where they reveal, maybe not a big event, they're going to reveal the next Dragon Age. Uh, so, like, think of how Bethesda did E3 last year, and they were like, yep. hey, by the way, we're doing um, the new Elder Scrolls and then this space game. Right, like these are the two games, Starfield, that aren't coming out for a while. Yep. So, so I predict that at near the end of the year, since we're going to have our new console generations announced and almost available, Bioware's going to come out. They're going to announce the next Dragon Age for next gen consoles with a date, and then we're going to see a tease, very similar to Starfield of a revisiting to Commander Shepard in a new Mass Effect series that it completely ignores Andromeda. So what what do you picture that trailer is? Um, Shepard's voice, both male mm-hmm. and female, like seamlessly blended into each other sentence by sentence. Sorry, I <laughs> think too much about it. Um, and then like, kind of like you hear like Seth Green's voice as Joker Mm-hmm. You hear um, Miranda and you hear and all these voices talking and they kind of like just show like space. And then at the end, like the Normandy flies by. Mm. That's what I picture like very, very vividly. <laughs> uh, you know, and it'll probably never happen. It's just my dreams. But um, I really think that Bioware needs to revisit Mass Effect mm-hmm. in and continue with Shepard's story because they really screwed the pooch on their reimagining of Mass Effect. So here's my trailer in my mind. Hmm. So you have, you start on earth or an earth like planet, we'll say. And it starts to you where you're zoomed in on a piece of grass or something like that. And it slowly pans back and it pans back and it pans back and eventually gets into space and it keeps panning back. And then it, Right before it gets to a spaceship where it's panning back, you see a, a, a small explosion. And then the camera turns and pans and it, you see Commander Shepard. I'm going to say Fem Shep because best yeah, Shep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you see Commander Shepard and you see them squint a little bit at the explosion. And then you hear Joker say, Commander Shepard, we need you on the bridge. And she just turns and walks. Nice. And, like, and it cuts. And that's it. 
That's great that, too. Th- that's my trailer I'm on in board my mind. That. <laughs> so, all right, cool. Uh, my next uh, prediction is that thinking of all the games we know, we just talked about how 2020 there are some huge IP that have games coming out. Yeah, I think a game that we don't even currently know about. So this includes like Halo that doesn't technically have a release date yet. So a game we don't know has never formally been confirmed will win game of the year at either the game awards or from one significant publication, i.e. IGN GameSpot or Game Informer. Oh, okay. So I I think even despite all of the big IP we have, uh, I think there is going to be something a la Disco Elysium or something like that that comes out and just steals people's hearts. That we weren't expecting. Cool. I'm all on board for that. Agreed. All right. My last prediction is PlayStation related. In I'm going to say March, mm-hmm. we get a state of play mm-hmm. where they reveal the PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. But not only that, but they reveal the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn will be launching with the PlayStation 5. And we okay. also can get a super cool... Limited edition Horizon Zero Dawn PlayStation 5 that looks like a Dyson vacuum cleaner. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. I would be down for that. I, no, I yeah, do... I think it's going to be a launch game. Yeah, I, I think that's the general sentiment right now. And I awfully, gosh, I hope it's true. It, it, Ugh, would, I... it would probably get me to not buy an Xbox. I, yeah. I mean, I, I am going to get both eventually. And almost at this point, oh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, at release, yeah, yeah. At at release, I think I will. It'd be I'd be very hard pressed to not get a PlayStation at release at this point. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But I really hope, man. I, oh, I want Horizon Two so bad. All right, I have two left. I'll go through them very br- quickly because neither of them are brain busters. I don't think. Um, Microsoft and Sony are each going to announce at least one more studio acquisition. Yeah, in twenty twenty, Sony's hinted at that, right? Sony has a couple times. Yeah. Um, Microsoft like says they're done, but then people, they like walk it back. Feels like we're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll like the back booty will be like, no, we're done. And then they walk it back again. Yeah. So yeah, I think especially I, for Microsoft, it wouldn't surprise me if it was uh, like a studio based in Japan, which would be smart of them. Which would be smart of them, and they've talked many times about that. Like I was going to say platinum, but obviously with their relationship with Nintendo, I, d- I don't <laughs> yeah, know that no that way. would happen. <laughs> if they could shell out enough money, maybe they go big and try to buy Capcom. Yeah, um, that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and for Sony, I don't know. I think Sony is something somebody that we wouldn't be surprised by, like a Blue Point or something like that. Yeah. So, but um, and then my last one. This is I think going to be my most controversial one. So we'll see what people say. At the end of 2020, the world Amazon. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Amazon <laughs> will have an active game streaming option. However, Google <clears throat> will not. Uh, I actually took that out of my list. Uh, because oh, really? I was going to say that we won't see Stadia after July. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. So yeah, I think by the end of 2020, again, Amazon is going to have an active game streaming option. But I think Google will be out of the business. We'll see. I could be wrong. They have bought a whole bunch of stu- – they have created studios and hired a whole bunch of people. So that would be a huge pivot, but Google's done stranger things. So. Hey, I have had Stadia for two months now, and he and Destiny 2 still doesn't work right. 
So Excellent. we'll see what happens in 2020. <laughs> All right, Josh. Video game goals. Let's hit them. What is your first video game goal for 2020? Oh, well, my first video game goal of 2020 is a stupid one because it's going to happen. But <laughs> it's to play games with... Uh, Kyle. Oh my gosh, Josh, that's what I find. <laughs> uh, whether it be board games or video games, like uh, if you listen to PSVG Prime, Luke, uh, someone asked a question like, "What is the one thing you want to happen at the PSVG like house party thing?" And mm-hmm. Lucas is like, "I would love to just play Mario Party." And like, man, when he said that, I'm like, I've been dying to play Mario Party on the Switch, and I cannot wait to be able to have that opportunity to sit down and play like jackbox or mario party or board games with all you guys so like my goal not even a video game goal or a board game goal one of my big goals for 2020 is to since my work lied to me about having a week extra this year <laughs> uh is about trying to find a way to make sure i'm there long enough to see everybody and spend time with everybody um and have a great time so that's my goal uh is to is to play games with kyle Awesome. Mine was, uh, I, mine. I said, "Quote: cool. I will play more games with people since I like playing games with people, especially Josh." <laughs> nice, perfect. <laughs> so that was also my goal. What is your second goal, sir? Uh, my second goal, my second video game goal for 2020, is to replay Horizon Zero Dawn and finally play the Frozen Wilds. When are you planning to do that? I don't. I don't know. Uh, if you want to do it, I would love to. Uh, um, each like I would like to work on uh, arranging a time where we decide to do that. I would agree. Uh, and maybe sooner would be better. Yeah, I think it would be for sure. Okay, we'll figure that out because I want to do that as well. Awesome. Um, my which actually ties into another one of my goals, kind of. Um, is that I'm going to follow the fun. I have really struggled with playing games that I feel like I have to play, and I really need to be done with that. I right now am playing a game from march 2018 because i and as a game i played before i was really close to the platinum in it i got the platinum and children of morta which kind of spurred this on i was at 90 percent of the trophies in this game um and i'm just going back i'm like man i love this game it's um tesla versus lovecraft yeah like it's a twin stick shooter that's just stupid fun and i i really it just am going to do that more i'm going to allow myself and try to give myself the grace to do that and it kind of stinks you know the oh oh woe is us podcast people we would try to stay current and always be playing new stuff but like yeah. man i just want to have fun with games that's why they have exist so i'm going to follow with the fun uh what is your final video game goal sir okay so my final video game goal is to give the nintendo switch a second chance that's good um and i don't say that meaning i don't enjoy my switch because i do but it's Mm -hmm. it's it's has very easily become the like i have all these other things and then there's the switch right even stadia i'm like oh i should just pick up my stadia controller and play that in bed on my phone or i have xbox um game streaming like let's do Mm -hmm. that and my switch just sits there in fact I didn't even realize when I came back from Extra Life, I didn't even take my Switch out of the case for months, not realizing, (laughs) not months, a month, not realizing I hadn't even taken it out to charge it. 
Right. So like a month went by, I lost power. I was like, oh, I just opened up the switch. Battery's dead. Oh yeah, because it's still been sitting in the carrying case since Extra Life. So um, I would like to to like reinvigorate my Switch spirit. In fact, like I said to my wife, now that she has the Switch Lite, it's like it's too bad we don't have both have games that we can play together. Right. Um, and she's like, we don't. And I was like, no, we don't, but we should. So my goal for 2020 is to to um, reignite my love affair with the Nintendo Switch. Did you do the little thing to see what your hours played were on Switch? I got an email, and I just didn't share it with anybody because it was just so sad. <laughs> mine was something like 29 hours or something like that. Oh, yeah. Mine was similar to that, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, But I will say, over the last two days or so, I've been playing Luigi's Mansion 3, and it is just absolutely charming. Nice. Maybe I'll pick so, that one up in 2020. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And my final video game goal for 2020 is that my backlog will not grow. Oh. <laughs> now, that's not saying I'm not going to buy new games. Then but your backlog saying, will grow. <laughs> but I am going to make sure that I am purchasing and playing games at a steady rate. Um, I, I think saying, oh, I'm not going to play buy any more games or anything like that is, is unrealistic. But I'm thinking by following the fun, I will do a better job of ensuring I am playing the games that I want to play, not playing the games I think I have to play. Sure. And as a result of that, I think I will do a better job of maintaining and reducing. I shouldn't say reducing, maintaining my backlog. So it doesn't get any worse than it is. It's never going to get any better. It's horrible as it is. I'm never going to get through them all. But I, I want to d- be able to say, oh, look, I don't have X number of games that I'm never going to play. Um, so I just want to ensure that it does not grow. You know, I partially control your backlog, right? I know you do, okay. but here's the thing. Like, you got Sekiro, which is great, or Sekiro, whichever you want to say. I'm really excited to play it. I want to play that game. So that's not like a... Oh, yeah, but you also you shouldn't know. feel obligated to play games that I get. Oh, I know. But, like, fortunately, every time, well, for the most part, when you buy games, or games I want to play anyway, so it's fine. Right, right. So, But if I bought Ghost Recon Breakpoint today for $20... And right, and I honestly <laughs> wouldn't count that as part of my backlog, because right. I have zero desire to play that. Right. So just like the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ubisoft, but All right, Ubisoft. God, <laughs> Man, that game was so good it delayed their entire catalog. Um, okay. <laughs> Any other things we want to say about 2020 in video games before we get to our listeners? No, I'm excited to see. We don't know a lot that's coming, so I'm excited to see what's what's awaiting for us. Yeah, everything after May is pretty speculative at this point, and actually a lot of Nintendo stuff, even first half, is speculative, so yeah. we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but with that, we do have some amazing questions, thoughts, and comments from our listeners. Josh, why don't you take us through those? Yeah, so we posted up um, questions about this episode, if people want to make predictions or ask us questions. So we're going to just start right away with uh, our buddy William uh, at Herkovitz, uh replying to us as... Well, he says a few things. One, I want to know which unplayed games languishing on Kyle and Josh's shelves they plan on finally breaking out in 2020. So I'll start by saying William sent me Vindication. Uh, Actually, William's. Well, yeah, William got Vindication sent to me. And that definitely needs to be played by me. Um, I need to play Century A New World. I got Beasts of Balance today, which I've been looking forward to playing for years. Um, so I'm excited to play that. And then I got Skull Callow for Christmas. I can't wait to play that. Yeah, it's so good. As well as the Hunger Games from Kickstarter. 
Um, and I'm going to add um, uh, the Unmatched series of games that I got at PAX Unplugged, mm-hmm. as well as um, Everdell when I get the two Kickstarter expansions playing Everdell with all the expansions. Those are the games um, that are partially sitting on my shelf that I need to break out this next year. Uh, I will say really briefly that this game is sitting on my shelf, but William, when he was on the show, basically told me I can't have a podcast about board games because I've never played this game. Um, so at some point this year, I'm going to play Twilight Imperium. Uh, good luck to you. William, I reject that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so that is what is happening. Twilight Imperium. It's going to happen this year. I want to play it too. That's like a big thing. I just need to find a group of people who want to play it too. Bo- uh, PSVG house party. I must have bored the video games house party. That'll be a fun one. William, if you are <laughs> listening and you're in the middle of the United States in June, hit us right. up. <laughs> uh, you can come play. You can teach us to play Twilight Imperium. I will go perfect. buy it if you're going to be there. Yeah, and I'll cook food for you. Uh, two, prediction. William's prediction is D&D teases the game's sixth edition. And to that I say, I didn't know they had a fifth one, so cool. <laughs> you really didn't know that D&D fifth edition existed? I did. I'm teasing William. Oh, okay. I was going to say. <laughs> Just like his uh, him putting PUBG in his top ten games of the decade. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, number three, he says, hope. His hope for 2020 is a new Top tier social deduction game hits the shelves. We all know William loves social deduction games, so I'm excited for that as well. When are we gonna get a clue? The movie, the game, deduction game. That's a good. That's a very good question. We should get a knives out deduction game. That'd be sweet. I gotta see that movie. Oh, so, it's so good. Yeah, sounds good to me. Cool. I I listened to Ryan Johnson talk about how much he loves mystery movies and uh, and Doug loves movies. That it really made him so much more endearing to me. He's so mm. well versed in murder mysteries. It, he really, really is. It was funny. He I listened to him on a podcast recently as well, and someone was asking him about like all these Agatha Christie tropes, and he's like, "Oh yeah, and in this book, she, they did this and blah blah." Like just knew, ever, like just yeah. not looking anything up. You could tell just yeah. And then in this book, and then they talked about this and this book, and, they, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" Like clearly. Very well educated and, and knowledgeable in that area, for sure. Yes. So I need to see that movie. Uh, gets we get two replies. One for video games, one for board games. Let's start with the first reply. Oh, pardon me. I've been really enjoying some indie titles lately, but big name gaming hasn't grabbed me lately. Outside of Last of Us 2 slash Diablo 4, there's just a handful of titles I'm remotely interested in. Is this the end? Give me something to be excited about past my backlog. Well, hopefully we did just do that for you. <laughs> and there's a, this little game that is currently in early access on Steam that and Epic Games Store that will hopefully be coming to consoles and all that good stuff. Hades by the good folks yeah. at Supergiant. I don't know. I have obviously no idea if that game's coming out in 2020, but they make some stellar stuff. And that is a smaller game that if it comes out in 2020, I am super excited to play. So look forward to Hades. That game does look cool. Okay, uh, second comment. Board games, I don't look to the future as much since I have lots to play already. Uh, Amen. They don't age like video games do. Thrilled I got a few for Christmas, but didn't get a single video game. And he lies because he did get a video game. And it's called BB and Tina's Horse Adventure. And he also got Goose Games. So take that. 
Splager, you liar. <laughs> I am really, and I was not joking. I am looking for a review of BB and Tina's horse adventure as soon as your girls can tell us what they think of it. Oh, I, I would love that, to know. I laughed at that part that he said for his girls. I'm pretty sure it's him playing it. Um, I also, I played Goose Game on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, and my son watched me play and he walked around the house going honk honk. So it's good for kids. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Coach Mo and Coach Hulk, he replies saying, goals, Madden and FIFA bring back the story mode. And that to that, me. I say, I hope so, Coach, because it sounded really cool. And I never got to play them. Finally, Backlog Blues chimes in. I look forward to more family gaming nights. Amen to that. Finding and introducing my kids to some cool non-video games. Maybe teaching them to play Lunch Money. So I like that we have some board game ideals for the year. And that's great. And if you have any other questions about board games for family nights, hit us up because we can recommend those games. For sure. Josh definitely can. <laughs> I struggle, but I can tell you what other people I'm say. sorry, you didn't play all of Stuff Fables? I mean, I did, but... Okay. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll start to wrap the show up here a little bit. Obviously, we are a gaming podcast, but we do want to give you one recommendation, suggestion, or thing that we're currently into that's helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our dear listeners? Hey, so my recommendation is uh, give something a second chance. Um, I put game or film. It can be anything, really. It doesn't have to be one specific thing. Uh, but that's my new goal. My new goal is to give things a second chance. And these are things maybe I didn't have the time to give the proper time to. Not to reuse time too much. Um, or the proper attention to. Or if it's something that I thought that I really didn't enjoy that a lot of people did enjoy. Uh, because you never know where you are mentally when you're watching or playing something. Um, for example, uh, I have been a notorious hater of Galaxy Quest. And I find myself to be in the very, very minority in that group. So I decided to rewatch Galaxy Quest. And I still hated it. But that's okay. I gave it a second chance. Yeah, you did. Um, also, I just started watching The Phantom Menace. Uh, with my son, actually. Uh, because I also do not enjoy the prequels, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, I find myself living in a world where I can say A New Hope lives up to, like, its age, and Phantom Menace doesn't. There's a lot mm. of bad CGI in The Phantom mm-hmm. Menace, where it takes me, like, really right out of it. However, I do still only have the ability to watch the special edition of A New Hope, and there's parts of that movie I can't stand. Oh, uh, yeah. But as a whole, that movie holds up way better, um, unfortunately, than The Phantom Menace. Uh, but I will be giving the original prequels a second chance as well. And in fact, I'm going to give The Witcher 3 a second chance. Mm. Uh, because everyone in the world apparently is giving The Witcher 3 a second chance. Sounds uh, like it. But it's making me want to at least give it a shot because I really didn't give it a chance when it came out. So what I would say is think of something you gave the short end of the stick to or you decided you didn't like it before it came out or 
I don't know, maybe you're Lucas and you never watched the Ninja Turtles movies and you don't know who the purple Ninja Turtle is and you break my heart. Uh, maybe you give that a chance. <laughs> uh, give it, give a shot to things that, that um, maybe you missed or gave a pass on. Awesome. Uh, my recommendation is probably something you've heard a lot of other people talk about, but it's pretty fun. Uh, that's just The Witcher on Netflix. I sat down to watch it. I, like Josh, was not a fan of Witcher 3. Uh, and this, I will say watching this did make me consider replaying it, but then I saw that everyone else was. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, not that I didn't want to do it to be a follower, but then I remembered how long the game is, and I was like, oh, gosh. I don't know that I, even if I gave it another chance that I'd finish it. So, um Here's what I will say about The Witcher, and this is going to sound like I am not recommending it. The acting is not the best. The writing is not the best. Uh, they do a pretty good job of, you know, art direction and set dressings and all of that. Uh, but like the CG and special effects, not the best. Uh, most of the sword fight choreography is actually really good. So that's actually pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of things about it that just aren't great. But for some reason, I just really enjoyed it. I sat down. I watched it. I was like, huh, that first episode was pretty good. Asked the partner and said, hey, do you want to watch this? Just give it a shot. She said, okay. We watched the first episode again. She was like, she's like, you know what? I don't know that I like it, but I want to keep watching it. And that's the same situation I was in. I don't know that I love this show. I don't know that I would ever consider it to be a top favorite show in any way, shape, or form. But darn it, I watched it over two days. Nice. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I just really had a good time with it. Uh, so, yeah, it's fun. It's a good sit, as they say. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. The one thing I will say is this is a show you have to pay attention to. Yeah. Because they do a lot of really weird things with timelines that you have to pay attention or you'll be super confused about what's happening. Um, so, yeah. But I enjoyed it. I recommend The Witcher on Netflix. It's fun. Nice. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? What a great idea for a short episode of Board <laughs> with Video Games. <laughs> <clears throat> Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji as well. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to send us an email at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. Uh, we, we actually had a, uh, an email from Paul Asking us, I should do this now, about the Ghostbusters trailer. Have you seen the new trailer? I have. He wants to know, do we think the kids in the video are related to a former Ghostbuster? And if so, which one? Well, I think, because he said something about his grandfather. I think that it's Egon's son. That's where I am at as well. Okay, cool. Uh, we tag our stuff with hashtag Board of the Fiji, so feel free to use that hashtag on all social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. Uh, that is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with Video Games feed. You can find me uh, still on Google Stadia, uh, PlayStation Network, and Xbox Live at Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can they find you? You can find me on all the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Be on the lookout because Meta Spring will be coming back in January, so that will be one of our early 2020 episodes, so be ready for that. But remember, everyone, 
Whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Stop gaming.